This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to this edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. I'm sitting alongside Chris Trevino, and we got Shotgun Spratling uh, back on the East Coast. Joining in, we got Nicole Sheeran here, too, in studio, helping out with the uh, production. So I uh, try to get the show rolling again. Spring fo- football just started, so we are back out here. I know we did a show a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're trying to add some stuff, some different camera angles and things, so bear with us as we... Uh, Try to expand the show going into these 2022 football season. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, we want to get Nicole more involved in the show, uh, reading questions and things like that. Uh, so today we got a lot of stuff we want to talk about. The first week of spring football. we got USC Pro Day. Some recruiting news. Big official visit weekend for Josh Connerly. The, the final piece, potentially, of the 2022 recruiting class. The five-star uh, offensive tackle out of the state of Washington. He was on campus this weekend. Shotgun was... In the bitter cold at an Under Armour event in Maryland. So he's going to talk about some of the USC targets he saw out there. we got the USC Pro Day. There's some basketball news and stuff we want to talk about. Uh, we will take your questions. Uh, we're not going to do live calls today. We will take questions on, uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, we will try to put them in our Google Doc and read those off to you as well. We're also live on Twitter. Uh, but I don't think we'll be taking any questions uh, from there. But thanks for everyone that's joining us live. On Twitter, and thanks for everyone joining us live everywhere. Make sure you smash that like button wherever you're at. You know, share it. <laughs> they say that on the Cover Three podcast, like smash the like button. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's what the kids say. That's what the kids are saying. <laughs> like smash. and subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Yes, to subscribe too. We do appreciate uh, all of that. Are we sounding okay? I know the last time we did this, there were some audio problems. It seems like anything is better than last time. It was better. Yeah, honestly, a different box. I was trying to hold the whole new system and everything going on. Uh, but should be have a fun show for you today. All three of us uh, in studio. I mean, three of us in studio, and then shotgun uh, remotely. Or, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, it's terrible. We have to start on a somber note. Uh, over the weekend, we found out that USC's inside uh, wide receivers coach Dave Nickel passed away. Uh, according to several sources, it was uh, he was battling uh, cancer, um, and we got to hear from Lincoln Riley, USC head coach, on Saturday at a Zoom that you normally would talk about. What happened at the Saturday practice? It just the the majority of it was focused on uh, his friend and mentor Dave Nickel. And I thought, I mean, get your guys' thoughts, but the uh, it was just it was heartbreaking. Just listening to Lincoln Riley talk, you could tell how genuinely upset he was. And you know, one of the first things he said was that he probably wouldn't be a college coach if it wasn't for uh, Dave Nickel. I mean, started when they were at Texas Tech, and it just seemed like he's someone that 
was a big part uh, of of Lincoln Riley's life and the reason why he's the head coach. You know, one of the reasons why he's a coach again. You know, the head coach at USC um, right now. And you know, when when he made the hire, didn't really know that connection was that strong, but obviously it was. Just tragic news around the Trojan family. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just just a tough thing to come out. You know, that came out on Friday, and you know, it kind of shows just how kind of maybe quick it happened because just on Tuesday, Lincoln Riley was asked about you know Coach Nickel and sort of if there was hope that he could come back, you know, rejoin the team at some point. Um, and, and coach Riley said, yeah, there's absolutely hope, but you know, he's going through a tough deal right now. So just be, be in your prayers, you know, for the Trojan family and stuff. So that kind of just shows how, how quickly, you know, things happen there at the end of the week. So just, just truly awful. And, you know, I didn't really expect Lincoln to talk at all about football in that sense, you know, from, from Saturday practice, which was the first padded practice, but it kind of just felt right that, you know, he would take that time to kind of talk about, his friend, because in the end, you know, football is just a game, Yeah, you know, and this sort of shows just how, you know, not important it is compared to other stuff in life. So, you know, it was nice to hear him talk about, you know, his friend and his uh, coach Nichols personality and how, you know, he, when he was sick and kind of going through this stuff, you know, Riley said he didn't want to talk about that. He just wanted to talk about football. Like, how are the guys going? How install is going? And, you know, kind of things like a good old football coach would do and yeah. kind of talking about his personality and his humor. And if you look on Twitter, Shotgun's been retweeting, you know, all these <laughs> colleagues and, and coaches that have been, you know, that knew Coach Nickel through wherever he was, kind of just share their their reaction and kind of their thoughts on it. And kind of one thing is just how good of a person he was and obviously how funny he was as well. So, you know, unfortunately, we never got to, you know, really interact, but um, as a media with him and, yeah. but I can, but it sounds like he would have been, you know, one of our favorite interviews based off his humor and his, his sort of personality. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that was one of the things that stood out to me. A guy that we haven't didn't get a chance to to really get to know yet, um, like most of the coaches on the staff so far. But just the outpouring of everyone around the coaching community uh, talking about the the type of person that he was and seeing some of his former players, um, you know, come out and, and talk about how you know, how, how much of a father figure he was to them. Just just devastating news for the coaching staff because there's so many guys that had connections with him on this staff, you know, whether it be at Washington State with Alec Grinch and, and Manning or, you know, at East Carolina with uh, with Lincoln Riley or even all the way back to the Texas Tech days. And even Clay McGuire, the offensive line coach for USC last year, yeah. another guy that knew Dave Nickel really well. So, you know, just to, to see the, the messages, I think it was just heartbreaking for everyone. I mean, he's 45 years old um, and, you know, it seemed like he was a guy that Lincoln was really excited to finally get to team up with uh, or re-team up with since uh, he hadn't been with them since his East Carolina days. And, he, you know, Lincoln talked about on, on Saturday about how you know this was a you know a dream for Dave Nickel too to be at USC. You know he had gone through and Lincoln listed off all the the different trips and the different times he had had to be a GA. You know there was like three different times where he had been a coach and had to go back to being a GA and he kept working, kept going and you know he gets to USC, you know coming from Mississippi State, you know big opportunity at USC with Lincoln Riley's staff and unfortunately you know, he, he um, you know, gets cancer and, you know, passes away from it. It's just, a, just devastating news. And, you know, I had texted with some players and stuff before. They didn't really have an idea. They knew he was sick. Um, so it really hit some of them hard as well just to find out, you know, a guy that you know, you're finding, getting to meet and kind of finding finding out about, you know, his personality and then suddenly he's gone like that. So it's just, just heartbreaking to see for someone that had put in his time 
working and grinding his way through some of the, the lower end positions in the coaching profession to get an opportunity at USC and not to be able to fully realize it. Yeah, uh, I think we have a picture, Nicole, of uh, Luke, uh, of Luke Heward and uh, and uh, and Simmons, the the wide receiver coaches now. So Luke Heward taken over was the interim. Assuming you know, I, did they say if he's going to be the permanent uh, or just he's the yeah? Interim? I mean, they haven't really talked about they that. Said that I, yeah. uh, I mean, you can sort of in, imply that that's probably going to be the case, but yeah, they didn't make any kind of official statement about that. I mean, it just seemed too too raw to still kind of yeah kind of make that decision that's probably something that'll happen like after spring or something maybe but yeah i mean luke will be the interim moving forward through spring and probably throughout the season yeah and if the name sounds familiar you know brock heward damon heward that's i believe they're all brothers uh the, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks they were up there from the state of washington uh so he's taking over as the interim um inside wide receivers coach uh, okay, so we do want to talk about the first two days of spring football. So if you don't know, things have changed a little bit as far as access goes. As far as what we can see, we can go to – there's three practices a week. There's Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We can go to the Tuesdays and Thursday practices. Saturday, we don't get to see, and we get uh, Lincoln Riley over Zoom afterwards, and that's what we – you know, when he talked about address the Dave Nichols situation. Uh, but Tuesday and Thursday, we were there. Offensive players and coaches available on – Tuesday, defensive players and coaches available on Thursday and special teams um, players. And uh, we got to talk to a lot of the newcomers uh, over the, the the two days. It was great. A lot of the transfers, uh, you know, we got to interview. Um, Nicole did as well. So she was out there uh, talking to some of those guys. And maybe we can start with a little bit of news uh, that we got at, I think it was Thursday's practice. So Alex Stadhouse, the uh, kicker, uh, if you remember, he came in a few times uh, when Parker Lewis couldn't play. There was was it he was suspended one game. There were some some weird situations or whatever. Got the with, targeting. Yeah, the targeting thing, so he missed the half. And Stathouse was just thrown into the fire multiple times this season and played well. He, he did performed he, well, stepped up. He had entered the transfer portal and we found out on Thursday it was because like he was a walk on, he couldn't afford school. The and, financial hardship of, you know, being, you know, a walk on and having to, you know, kind of pay your way at USC. So he kinda had to look at opportunities where he could earn a scholarship from you know, a school. Yeah. And it ain't cheap to go to USC, as we know. Uh, but so, but Parker Lewis goes in the transfer portal and Lincoln Riley apparently reached out to Stathouse and offered him a scholarship. So USC now has two scholarship players uh, on special teams. They had five before and it was down to one, but now Alex Stathouse gets a scholarship. So it looks like USC has their kicker of the, of the 2022 season, which is great for him. Um, you can confirm there's only two. There's only it's two. not like three being hidden somewhere. Yeah. I, I Yeah. I don't, hopefully not. That's sort of the thing. Yeah. You don't want to, there was the days when USC had like six, seven players on scholarship for special teams. You don't want to see that. Uh, but anyway, so. History is still hiding some somewhere. Don't lie about yes, it, Chris. He does love, he loves putting like, yeah, two, you need two snappers on scholarship at a time. That seems to make sense. Uh, but anyway, so congratulations to Alex Stadhouse. That's great news. We also learned that Ty Buchanan, uh, the offensive lineman from Texas, uh, he had entered the transfer portal. So, up one scholarship and then down. You kind of even it out. So, any you guys maybe shotgun and then Chris. Any thoughts on Ty Buchanan uh, entering the portal? I mean, I think it tells you that you know all those three stars from East Texas that the previous staff thought were just as good as any four star out here in LA. 
Um, maybe they weren't, you know, as valuable to the, this new staff. Uh, obviously, it has not been because you've seen some of the other guys. You've seen, seen Dorian Hewitt is no longer on the roster. Jake Smith, uh, you know, a guy that they had brought in as a transfer from Texas, no longer on the roster. So uh, I think it tells you that there is definitely a difference in opinion on this staff for, versus the previous staff and, you know, what they valued. And you've seen, you know, a, a number of those guys from that, you know, the the recruiting classes where we said this this is not very good. And the previous coaching staff tried to tell us that, no, 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 these are good guys. They're just underrated. You know, a lot of those guys are now gone. And, uh, you, you know, I, I think that tells you that this this current staff is looking and has higher expectations for the quality of player that they're going to bring in and the quality of player that should be at USC. Nothing against Ty Buchanan or any of those other players, but I think that they saw that it was going to be a long road for them to get any playing time on this roster, and especially with the way that USC is recruiting right now, that there were going to be potential transfers or high-value uh, high prospects coming in that might be recruited over them. So I think a little bit of the writing was on the wall, a little bit of a combination there. Uh, and I think that's why you've seen some of these guys that are first or second year guys um, in, in the program that have decided to hit the transfer portal. Yeah, it just sort of reinforces, I mentioned this on the podcast, kind of it reinforces what Lincoln has said on, on Tuesdays that double-digit additions are coming, which means, you know, they need to make some space. So. Yeah. Buchanan will not be the last person to enter the portal in the last several months. And I can assume they're going to hit the offensive line pretty hard for the portal just because if you look at it now, they're kind of thin there at that 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 position, having lost Jalen McKenzie and Liam uh, Jimmins, two starters. And then you have three guys, uh, Buchanan being the third guy who's entered the portal from the off- offensive line along with Liam Douglas and Casey Collier, another one of those uh, three-star uh, offensive tackle guys. So, yeah. Offensive line looking a little thin right now in practice. So, you know, they're hoping, you know, they get a big uh, 2022 guy coming in here and then they hit the portal hard for some more uh, for bo- for more bodies in the next couple months. Yeah, they're uh, they're thin in a few spots uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And maybe that's what we'll start with with the Tuesday practice. So we do get to watch the stretching portion and then like position drills. But we got to see Caleb Williams, you know, that guy you never heard of him. We talked about him for months uh, or whatever it seemed like. Uh, he was out there wearing number 13, throwing around, uh, was holding court in his media session. I mean, you can tell why that dude is a leader. Um, I think we got a photo of him too, but the, he's just, he was great out there. I was really impressed with what uh, Caleb Williams did, but maybe we can start and talk about some of the, couple of the offensive storylines from what we saw and, uh, and talk to people on Tuesday. Uh, I mean, Caleb Williams is probably the biggest one, right? With as far as, but Huge media scrum around him. Um, I just felt like he carried himself extremely well. You can see why all those leadership qualities, all those things you hear, you know, he's a great player, but also someone that, uh, you know, can become a leader at Oklahoma after not even being named the starter coming out of the gate and taking over the job for Spencer Rattler. He can come into USC and really not know anyone except a couple of guys on the staff and uh, a couple of transfers that came with him. Uh, he does have, he was familiar with Miller Moss because of the elite 11 days. So they were, they're on the same like text thread and stuff, but, and it just seems like people are gravitating towards him and just the way he spoke at the, the media event, I think was a big part of it. But, uh, maybe start with you, Chris, and then shotgun, any thoughts on Caleb? Well, first off for shotgun and Ryan, does his charisma and media personality remind you of any other DMV native? 
I don't know. I, I I was just watching the scrum and I thought, you know, I see a lot of myself. There is in, a lot. In this uh, this young man with his his charismatic personality. And, and if you don't know, not afraid to be on camera, you know, like, like just like Chris Trevino. Uh, Chris Trevino, giggling. Chris, over this man right here taught swimming lessons to Caleb Williams as a child, like as a kid. Like how crazy is that? Even the Coles, he was like, a child, not me. You were not. You were the child. And <laughs> no, he, no, he was the child. The, he coached. Caleb Williams. So we have someone on set that was coaching Caleb Williams here. So that's pretty good. You, how about a celebrity right now? How about now? that? <laughs> how about that? When he was in high school as a, you know, as a student teacher. So that's my don't, claim to fame. Try to one up me. So <laughs> as of now, as of now, I still have the upper hand in this one. Um, but, but looking at Caleb Williams, you know, the thing we had heard about him and the thing that, you know, everyone had kind of talked about was, the personality that everyone gravitates towards him. He has that type of personality. And the fact that, you know, you hear one of the players, I can't remember which one it was during the interview, say, yeah, he, he you know, immediately stepped in and was like breaking down, you know, during the player run practices, the workouts and stuff, immediately stepped into the huddle and started breaking things down and did it on him. Shows you that that you know he has that alpha personality. He's going to step in immediately, um, and you guys could probably see it a lot more in person. But just hearing some of the other players talking about him, listening to the interviews, you can tell the personality, the charisma that he has, and the the fact that he attracts a lot of people. And you know, when Lincoln Riley talks about double digit transfers, Caleb Williams is a great reason that they, they, they will be able to accomplish that because everyone wants to play with that guy. Yeah, 100%. Um, and the guy you're referring to, Austin Jones, the Stanford transfer is the one who referred to, kind of told me that story about how, gotcha. you know, looked at Caleb like, guy's an alpha, alpha mentality, first day, breaking it down. He was like, whoa, okay, this is the kind of leader that uh, Caleb Williams is in. He said he's the real deal. So, And it just shows, like, we're out there at practice. Um, the energy is different. We don't get to watch the whole thing. There's just, like, an an air of, like, competence. You know, like, people, like, like you feel like... <laughs> <laughs> These people know what they're doing, you know, and you're bringing in guys that are like, what do I harp on for like hire people that are good at their jobs? Well, you've done that. You've hired people that are really good at their jobs. It started, you needed a new president, you need a new athletic director, uh, and then they can hire good people below them. And that started with a football team. You hire Lincoln Riley and like, well, now you're going to bring in a bunch of players that are like, all these transfers we're talking to seem amazing. It's like, wow, this is great. But then a Caleb Williams is you know, a superstar in the making is going to be on Heisman watch list already for your, you know, starting off for, for Lincoln Riley there at USC. So it's just like this era, like you just feel like, okay, people are going to do, make a lot of right decisions as opposed to before you're like, why are they doing that? Or I don't think they should be doing that. I don't, you know, I don't know, Chris, I didn't get that feeling anymore. At least it's one weekend, but that's what, that, that's yeah. What I mean, one weekend you could tell there was a little more hunger. There's a little more eagerness out there. Those are the kind of things that kind of Lincoln Riley, sort of hit on, you know, I wish that we could have watched, obviously, a little bit more practice. But those individual drills, especially for me, for the defensive coaches, I've been watching more of the defense. You've been watching more of the offense because everyone's going over there right. to wants to go watch number 13 throw on air drills. But I want to go watch the defense with no one else is around. Um, and, I, and I'm watching those drills, and those defensive coaches are getting after it because they know they have to get after it because of what, you know, some of the guys, that defense from last year was just abysmal. And kind of that was something Alex Grinch hit on is that, like, we have a lot of weaknesses right now. We have a long way to go. You know, we kind of hit on all those points that a defensive coordinator taking over a bad defense last year was going to say. You know, yeah. we got a lot of weaknesses. See, we see some flashes of ability, but needs to be more consistent 
you see it from one guy, but you need it from all 11 guys and all 11 guys behind them. So long way to go. Uh, but I definitely like the energy uh, from what we saw these first two days. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, you know, talking to the transfers were great. Uh, we got to talk to Austin Jones, you mentioned from Stanford. Uh, Nicole talked to Travis Dye. Do you want to give a few thoughts on the Travis Dye one, Nicole? Or Yeah, definitely. So Travis Dye, he was great. I mean, we know the story of kind of why he came to USC. But he was talking about the same energy that these players have been talking about this entire week. The energy's high. They have a quarterback that they trust. And he really just honed in on this team is ready to take over and do something different. Nice. Um, he, yeah, he seems like a great kid, too. So there's uh, they brought a lot of good people in. Uh, was there anyone on the offense that stood out to you that you talked to? Mario Williams seems to have a, a smile that's built for L.A. He's got that L.A. personality. He said, I'm glad to be here with my quarterback. He, he specified with my quarterback, you know, a guy – Caleb Williams, that they went, they go back, you know, since their high school days, you know, when they were in the same class at Oklahoma. And then the other big interview was, you know, the Miller Moss interview. Yeah. You know, obviously that was a a guy we've talked to before that a lot of people wanted to kind of hear from just, you know, with the quarterback situation only being two QBs, Lincoln bringing in, you know, Caleb Williams. Um, you know, we talked about how the culture building is going really, really well because Lincoln and the staff, they have a formula you know, something that's proven. They've won with this formula. They know how to build culture with this formula. And his quote, it's not like throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks. You know, this is a proven formula. That's why it makes it so easy to trust it and kind of go along with it. And then I asked him about, obviously, sort of maybe the elephant in the room of, you know, Lincoln Riley bringing in, you know, a guy like Caleb Williams. And he said, you know, Lincoln was really upfront with me from the beginning. You know, he called me, let me know what the situation was, what was going to go on. And, that right there gave him a lot of confidence in Lincoln Riley. And it also made him more comfortable with the situation that was going to come forth, which would be Caleb committing. And when he did commit, you know, he was he was okay with it. He was all right with it. He was comfortable with it because Lincoln was up front with him. And, you know, he kind of gave you the classic, uh, you know, adage from football players. You want the best in that room with you to bring out the best in you. Competition only breeds that. So that's kind of where his head is at. And he's also looking a little, a little bigger. He's, yeah, he looked a little... Bigger up top to me. Now, Caleb Williams has got his lower body. I think there's some power there. He can run really well. He's well. a runner and a swimmer. He's, yeah. And a swimmer. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I thought Miller Moss has filled out a little bit. And I, I think this is a good situation. I know people are like, oh, is he going to transfer? Like, everyone everyone can't transfer. I mean, Miller Moss is going to have an opportunity to play. Uh, if there's something – obviously, if something happens to Caleb Williams. But they're going to score a bunch of points. And I know we talked about, you know, when, when uh, Graham Harrell came in. The talk was scoring 50 points and all that stuff. They, I mean, they wouldn't get out of the 20s most of the time. So this is going to be a team that scores a bunch of points. You're going to see younger guys get to play. Like, all these things that happen, like, oh, why haven't they been able to get these guys to play? Because they're not blowing out teams they should be blowing out. Yeah, because they have a three-point lead with six minutes to go. Or they're down the to fourth. Arizona in the last minute, the terrible Arizona team or whatever. This is going to be an opportunity. Like, they're going to score points, right? They're going to score a bunch of points. Uh, the Colorados of the world, the Arizona's the world, they're going to – win those games decisively, in my opinion. And Miller Ross got to come in and play. I mean, he might play a quarter and like not, he got a touchdown pass at the end uh, of, the, of last season, but I think he's going to get some opportunities to play there and then sort of figure out what he wants to do, you know, going forward. I think they're going to probably have to hit the transfer portal to get another quarterback there. Optimistic that Moasan could come back uh, by the, you know, by the fall. Um, but I don't know. That's just crazy. It's a pretty aggressive timeline for a, an Achilles injury, but um, yeah, we'll see. 
Uh, Shotgun, any thoughts on that before we move on to defense or any other offensive thoughts? One of the things in the offense and quarterbacks play into this too, but there's some depth issues. You know, Brandon Campbell is another three-star former uh, recruit from Texas that has hit the transfer portal. Ryan, you said they can't all transfer out. They they potentially could. You know, th- this is this is the day and era of uh, college athletics right now, where an entire team could transfer out. Uh, I think we've actually seen that a couple times in different sports, where an entire team has gone into the portal at one point, um, and maybe some guys came back or whatnot. But don't don't put it past. So Miller Moss is a is a huge uh, piece for USC. They need to have him this year. Yeah. So you know the coaching staff needs to cater to him to make sure he does not transfer out after spring or anything because it's going to be very difficult to bring in quality backups. You know, no one really wants to go in the transfer portal to go. You know what? I, I'm looking for a place to go back up. That's not what that's not what kids go into the transfer portal for. So kids are looking for opportunities and playing time. That's the most common thing. Sometimes it's homesickness and some other things like that. Uh, if someone's sick at home or some some of those things do come up. But the number one thing is I want to play more. So you know, finding a backup quarterback is going to be very difficult. Running back is very similar, very thin there, very talented. You know, they've got all transfers now as far as the 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 scholarship guys are all transfers, but pretty thin there and you know running backs are always going to get hurt uh so you got to see you know you got to try to keep those guys as healthy as possible wide receiver is really deep but we still there's still some question marks there a lot of new guys as well um you know the one position on the offensive side and we, you talked you mentioned that the offensive line is a little thin as well with some of the guys transferring out but tight end is the one position where there is some depth uh but you know that that's not the the primary position in this offense either. So uh, the that's one of the big concerns about the offense to me. I know you you look at the schemes and you expect that Lincoln Riley's offense will put up points. However, USC could be in trouble if they get some injuries at one position or another. I don't know, Shotgun. Being the third string quarterback for a Lincoln Riley team in Southern California, all I get to do is hang out and chill and be the backup, not really, and get a degree. It's, uh, there's worse jobs. There's yeah, there's worse jobs. yeah, but do you do you want the ultimate job of being a backup quarterback in the NFL where you stand around and, and get paid millions of dollars? That you know, you're not going to get that. Yeah. You're not going to get that as the third string quarterback at USC. Um, you know, you at least got to be the backup. You know, you got to be you know, have at least a little bit of tape like Matt Castle, and you know how rare that situation actually was. So, yeah, it may be an attractive thing for someone who doesn't desire to play football in the future, but. How many guys do you want to attract to your program that that's not their end goal? Is that I want to be better? I want to advance to the next level. Um, you know that if you want guys that can step in and actually play, it, it's going to be t- difficult to find quality backups at that one position with Caleb Williams already in the shoot. There was, I mean, there was crazy uh, musical chairs things going on with the quarterbacks pre-spring. We're going to see more of it post-spring. But a guy like Jaden Daniels from ASU enters later. He enters portal later. There's not really a spot. Like all the chairs were the, the music stopped and like there weren't any chairs left. He ends up going to LSU where you're competing with like three other guys. Like so there's not like a, a ready made situation. Obviously, Caleb Williams comes in, you play for your old coach. It's a ready made is as ready made as you could get. Um, you know, we'll see like with uh Akeen Slovis uh, you know, going to to Pitt, right? And uh Jackson Dark going to Old Miss and you know they're going to, there'll be competition and stuff at those places too. Is there going to be someone that's willing to come knowing that there's like a, a QB one already and a, and a good, you know, backup there? Uh, we'll see. But I think, you know, if anyone can get him, probably Lincoln Riley. He's like, I'd rather be, I'd want to come in there. Look, I'll be the third string. I'll do it. 
Scholarship. I'll do it. Yeah. You get your master's. Put me on Scholarly. Yeah. I'll. I don't care what the master's is. It should look nice in a diploma case or whatever. Nice. Uh, switching over to the defensive side, we got to talk to players on and coaches on Thursday. I was on the SEC beat because I got to talk to the two guys from uh, Auburn and Alabama. Uh, the Nicole's pumping her fist because she's a she's a proud <laughs> Georgia grad uh, who they won the championship. If you guys didn't know, um, but yeah, so. Uh, Romillo Height from Auburn, the defensive end, and then Shane Lee, the uh, linebacker from uh, Alabama, who's a freshman All-American. It was, his story's interesting where, you know, he had a good run, and then uh, a couple years ago, had some injuries, wasn't starting anymore. You know, both those guys, you want them to, if, if you're, you know, on the bus, they're sitting in the front seat because you want them walking off the bus first. They go, holy crap, that's what their team looks like? You don't want to, like, Romillo Height just is jacked. I mean, both those guys, uh, they're, they have SEC bodies, right? And they know... I mean, they know football down there, and I feel like they're both going to have, you know, big impacts. Uh, Shane Lee was very uh, kind of measured his words. He'd already spoken on Trojans Live, but, I, you know, he's a leader too. Players have gravitated towards him. And Romello Height was, his, you know, Southern just like, yes, sir. He was super nice, uh, but I asked him, like, about, you know, some of his, uh, you know, what he brings to the table, and he's like, speed, you know, like, he's a speed guy. He's a rusher. He's going to come off the edge and just get after the quarterback. Uh, just talking to those two guys, I'm pretty optimistic that a couple new pieces that are added to the defense. I'm pretty sure the term you're looking for is yoked. They're yoked. Yeah, yeah. And you just start saying yoked. Jacked, okay. is, jacked is old news. You got to say yoked. Yoked. Okay, sorry. Or swole. Or swole. I'm trying to get him hip. I'm Gen X. He made a smash the like button earlier. Yeah. Come on. You can teach him new tricks. Sure. He's keeping Ryan in the know. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Say swole. Swole. There, okay, maybe not like that, but... <laughs> Did uh, Shane Lee's like muscle definition remind you of any other Maryland? But uh, my he... friend Chris Trevino, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the, he has that swimmer's wow, wow shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I cannot. I cannot say that I trained Shane Lee, but maybe, maybe in the off season we'll we'll get yeah. together and uh, get some swimming in. I like it. Those guys is bigger. Height's bigger. Yeah, like yeah, because I mean, he because he's from Georgia, not Maryland. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, but Ramella Height was a kid that, uh, you know, when I watched his film uh, after he committed to USC, I was like, this could be a really interesting get for USC. And besides the physicality, I didn't really realize that he had the physicality he has shown um, in, in person. But he's a guy that can come off the edge. Now, he's still got to he's got to take that next step in his game, which is getting to the quarterback, getting the quarterback on the ground. He got a lot of pressures his first couple seasons at Auburn in the limited time that he was in there, but it wasn't getting the sack. So he's got to take that next step. But I think that's an intriguing piece, especially if you line him up on the opposite side from Corey Foreman. Uh, you know, there's, there's just some different things they could do. That the defensive line, the, the pass rush is pretty thin. But there's some talented guys there. So, you know, if USC can stay healthy and, you know, get those guys, you know, attacking the quarterback and getting some situations, some third long situations, USC could, could uh, cause a little bit of havoc with, with quarterbacks and, you know, the ability to get to the to the passer. Yeah. Any other defensive players stand out to you that you talked to, Chris? I thought one interesting storyline that sort of revealed itself on Thursday was Latrell McCutcheon, the Oklahoma transfer sort of, playing safety and that's something I noticed when I was watching defensive guys and I talked to him after and I kind of uh you know brought that up I was like did you play a lot of safety at Oklahoma were you mainly a quarterback he was like no I may play cornerback but you know coach Grinch and them they like my versatility like my ability to kind of play back there and he looked a lot 
longer in range. This is my first time obviously seeing him, mm-hmm. but he looked, I believe he's listed at like six foot one, but he looked a little bit longer than that, maybe like six foot two. Uh, really long, really lanky, looked like he had really good ball skills. I was watching the ball skill drills. So that's an interesting person to kind of uh, watch throughout this spring because cornerbacks are a little thin right now if you look over there because yeah. Damani Jackson, he's still kind of doing his rehab thing. Joshua Jackson, he's also doing his rehab thing. So that's two cornerbacks down. So they only really have, what, maybe like four guys over there. Yeah. And to not have move Latrell over there means they really kind of like him, like looking at him at safety right now. Um, so that's an interesting thing. So I kind of really like that move. Um, you know, hopefully get Damani and uh, Josh back to kind of fill out that depth. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting thing to kind of watch as you know they move forward. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because of the talented young safeties they already have with Xavier Alford, with Kalen Bullock, with some of those other guys from that safety class last year to see if they were going to take a step forward with Zamarian Gordon and Beavers and some of those guys. So I think that's really interesting to to put Latrell McCutcheon because obviously. This the defensive staff knows him. They were at Oklahoma with him, so he's a guy that the staff is familiar with. So that puts a little bit more pressure on those other guys. Now McCutcheon, I believe, played a little bit of nickel back with Oklahoma last year, so that could be an option as well. And maybe they're just trying him out, moving around. It is spring. Let's not forget none of these moves are definitely permanent because it is just spring. You kind of try and see what you have there. Uh, but one one guy on the defensive side. Great to see back Brandon Peely. Uh, you know, just seeing him be able to go through some of those drills, uh, seems from the f- uh, photos and clips that you guys were, were able to produce. Great to see him back after you know the injury that he suffered last last spring pre- camp. Speaking of another guy, Max Williams, he's also back. You know, a guy who put yeah. in a lot of rehab work, and and apparently, you know, he's been playing pretty well. You know, talking to people, you know, sources. You know, someone said he had a, an amazing practice on Saturday. So. Great to see Max Williams. He kind of tweeted out that he's feeling great after the first week. So, you know, look out for him kind of ascending. And looks like he's kind of holding on to that starter's job right now at the nickel spot. So he's got to watch when you fully see them play, you know, in that spring game at the end of April. So apparently Max causing a buzz right now. Yeah, and it's someone that, you know, he came in and you, know, you well, I don't know if the previous staff, it wasn't really like the size that they kind of wanted and all that. But he was one of those guys that you want to bring in because he's just – Loved USC. He was just a ball player. He just goes out and makes a whole bunch of Local plays. Local guy. Local Sarah. guy. Yeah, it's like that's the kind of dude you want. And to see him, we got to see a lot of his rehab last year. And uh, he just made so much progress. And you were wondering, like, man, could this guy come in and play? Uh, but seems like he's 100% now. And uh, it's, he's going to be someone definitely you want us to check out in the spring game. Playmaker. Yeah. And that's something. It's not that you want to get guys that, hey, they love USC and they're local and they're hardworking. You want guys that are playmakers, and that's what Max Williams is. You know, you saw him in, in in high school, the ability to return punts. When he gets the ball in his hands, he makes things happen. So, you know, if he gets an interception or, or two this year, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them takes it if he takes one of them back to the house with his, his playmaking ability. I say this all the time. Max isn't the biggest. Max isn't the strongest. Max not even Max is not even the fastest, but he has arguably probably the highest football IQ of anyone on that team and that defense. That's why he's able to be in positions. He's also tough. You know, there was in that 2020 season, there was plays that were blowing up on Twitter, you know, of him going head to head with a blocker at five foot nine, pushing these guys <laughs> back to, to jam up the play. He's got the nose to find the football. You know, he doesn't have all those, you know, crazy attributes, but he's smart and he knows how to play football. And that's, you need guys like that. You know, you know, speed is nice. All those, those attributes are nice, but if you can't put it all together, 
that's why it se- separates Max from, you know, guys that are maybe have a little more athleticism than him. You know, he knows what he's doing out there, and that's why he's, you know, a playmaker and will continue to make plays. For sure. Oh, he is the, the oldest brother of three D1 cornerbacks. So, uh, you know, he, he's got the, the moxie of the older brother, uh, the older brother, the older brother's strength he has there, even though he comes in a smaller package. Although literally he is the smallest of the brothers. <laughs> yes. Because Mason is bigger than him at Arizona State. And then Marcellus, who keeps growing every time I see him, he's, he's looking like he's going to be six foot two by the end of it. So Max is the oldest, but he is the smallest. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, good stuff there. Uh, check out uscfootball.com. Tons, tons of spring coverage. We've got a lot of photos. Nicole's been shooting some really nice videos. Chris has done some defensive videos, too. Uh, lots of interviews. Tons of video interviews. Tons of stories. Um, lots of analysis. So a lot of stuff going up. The ghost notes are great. Make sure you check out. We, the fact that you only watch like 20 minutes, Chris gets a ton of notes out of whatever he sees out there. So if you're not a member, uscfootball.com, you can do it for a buck, dollar a month. Go in there and subscribe, and uh, it's definitely be worth your while. Uh, very quickly, yeah. Shotgun, how heartbroken are you that they allow us to now move through the sidelines? <laughs> this is one of the reasons. trapped in the pen with that beautiful camera, oh, and now yeah. you have to edit my crappy photos with my crappy this, lens. This is true. Uh, it, is, that is, it feels like that's a little bit of a compromise because – you know, the, the one thing more important than being able to roam around is being able to see competition periods. And that's what you know, the media is not going to be able to see this year. Hopefully they expand it after the spring, but don't get her. I'm not really getting my hopes up for that. Uh, but I think that it feels like that's a little bit of the compromise. Like, hey, you guys can go wherever you want, uh, but we're going to kick you out after, you know, 20, 30 minutes. So um, it, it is a provides a different perspective, though, because now you guys can go and see. And when I come out for a couple of spring practices, we'll be able to go and see the defensive line a little bit closer up, see the linebacker drills a little bit closer up, see some of these things and hear some of the coaches a little bit more, which we got an interesting perspective last year when we were up on the pool deck, you know, some of the drills that were over in that area and being able to hear the offensive line coach and being able to hear. So I, I think it just is it, going to add a different perspective for us getting to hear from some of these new coaches and how they are going about teaching the attention to detail, what they're trying to coach up and, you know, what areas they're really emphasizing for, for returners that, you know, it seems like are, are a little bit behind. So those are all be very interesting things and we'll only gather more and more information the more practices we see this spring. For you sure. Just, you just set yourself up. You have to put on the greatest practice photo gallery you've ever done wow. <laughs> in your life when you when you come to practice. Yeah. The challenge. I'm going to forget my camera on purpose. Right. Right, right, right. Uh, with the USC also held the Pro Day. 15 uh, former Trojan football players took part on Wednesday. Probably the most uneventful or one of the most uneventful Pro Days I've been to uh you know you haven't been to a ton of them chris uh just without you know without a, a drake london who's going to do his own workout was it april 3rd or something fifth like? april 5th so he'll do his own workout probably you know he was down there he did show up yeah so that was like the highlight when he walked in i think um wow. we, we did get to hear from isaiah polamau who uh dec- you know didn't make any kind of declaration about going to the nfl but just was no longer around the team and we we're just like oh and then we ask around like yeah he's not with the team yeah anymore. he just kind of showed up at pro day it was like i'm ready yeah so he was like he was running out there um drake jackson you got to see a little bit of him he didn't run the 40 little hamstring um, trying to you know be careful with it thinks he can run that four 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 five which would you know make him a lot of money in that process probably looking at that right now before running is probably you know late first round early second round kind of range for him right now yeah uh, but anything 
Yeah. Anything stand up? Let's we'll start with you, Shotgun. That um, you saw some of the times and stuff. Uh, it's just from the combine and from pro day. Isaac Taylor Stewart eye-popping numbers you know now it didn't always translate to interceptions or deflections but is there going to be someone who takes a chance on him knowing the athleticism knowing the speed that he has and the size that he has at the cornerback position I think he's a really intriguing prospect and a guy that could go way earlier than people anticipate or not go at all uh, in the draft and, and be a free agent signing. It just depends if, if one team falls in love with him because he has just amazing statistics as far as the just the raw athleticism. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The uh, pro day news stuff, it was like, you know, you're hoping that these guys can get a chance. Um, a guy like Isaac Taylor Stewart, did some big numbers. Some of the guys won't have the numbers, but have better production. The Drake London thing will probably be the most interesting. Um, so we'll see about that. Uh, all right, we don't need to talk more about pro day. We want to talk about recruiting a little bit. Uh, Josh sure. Connerly, the five-star offensive tackle from there in Washington. Uh, down on an official visit to USC this weekend and uh, apparently went well. Brandon Huffman has an interview. We have the full interview up on uscfootball.com. Seems like he had a good time. Get to hang out with, uh, you know, Josh Henson, um, you know, Lincoln Riley. Talk to his position coaches. Talk about what was going on there. Uh, the fact that USC is a, a real factor in his recruiting is, a, it's, is huge. Uh, just that 2022 class is not very big. Uh, only eight signees. There's two of them on campus right now, Damani Jackson and uh, C.J. Williams. But, you know, six more will be coming uh, in the summer or, or over the summer. But getting a guy like Josh Connerly, uh, any thoughts on the visit? Um, I know we have a po- photo of, like, the whole, like, group, I guess, that was out there. And any any thoughts on the visit and what it means in the recruiting class? I so mean, you, Chris. you knew this was the big one. Try to put that cherry on the top of that high school class with this five-star offensive lineman. Obviously, a position... USC fans have complained about for, it feels like, forever. Every every commitment they get, the question is, can they play left tackle? I'll tell you what, Josh Connerly, play left tackle. He cannot. Yes, he can. Yeah. And, you know, you knew they were going to go hard at the end here. It's final visit. You get the last impression. You get that recency bias going into your decision. He will be committing on April 8th, so about a week uh, from now on CBS Sports HQ. Make sure you check it out. Got to plug. We got to plug, plug the eye. Yeah. Got to plug the eye. Always plug the eye. Um, so you knew they were going to go out that picture, you know, just basically everyone involved with the USC staff. They had a little baby in that photo. Like everyone was recruiting, even the infants. I was, was no. So, Shaka, no laugh. You knew they were, you knew that baby was doing stuff. That baby was getting in there. <laughs> so, you know, they were making the effort, you know, from what we can tell, great visit. 
I, I wasn't even worried that they, you know, possibly were going to mess up that visit, but because you knew, you know, Lincoln Riley has shown his recruiting prowess. Uh, Josh Henson, he's landed big time offensive line recruits, so they know how to host a big man. So I think it went really well. And yeah, I mean, that's all I got for that shotgun. That photo and see how many people are in that photo, how many people are involved in recruiting him, but also how many people from the Connerly clan came down with Josh. You know, it wasn't just him and his dad. You know, it wasn't just, you know, the parents. It was everyone in the family. They wanted to get a full sense. USC is definitely right there in the mix. And how this visit went will probably determine his decision that he makes. And you think that the way that USC rolled out the red carpet, the way that they, you know, put out, you know, did everything they could, knowing how big of a need this is. Knowing, I mean, I don't know if these coaches know, but if they look through the rankings, I'm sure they do, that, how long has it been since USC had that true elite offensive line recruit come in? You know, since the Austin Jackson, Elijah Vera Tucker class, when they brought in five guys, five years. they have not brought in, a, 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 you know, an elite guy. Now, Brett Nealon, it was in that class. Uh, you had Justin Dietrich the next year, but they have not had that true offensive tackle five-star guy since Austin Jackson. And he was even more of a project coming out of high school because he was 265 pounds. Whereas Josh Connerly is a guy that will play wherever he goes, will play as a freshman. How much he plays, that will be determined on you know the roster that's that wherever he decides to go. But I think it just shows how much that the staff understands the importance of this recruit and the fact that USC gets the last visit is another positive for USC. You know they were already coming in and were in the mix before the staff even got here because you know he already liked USC. He took multiple unofficial visits, flying down from the Seattle area to LA to watch a terrible four and eight team last year. And now you have the new staff come in. I, I think it's, you know, USC's in a great position for Josh Connerly. I haven't got a chance to check out Brendan Huffman's update. If you're not, if you don't have Brendan Huffman on some kind of uh, Josh Connerly alerts, then, you know, are you really a USC fan? That's a, that's a big question. Uh, but, you know, he's the one that's been on top of this recruitment the entire time. Um, and we'll try to get some more info from, from Brandon this upcoming week before that April 8th decision. Great day, by the way. That's my birthday. But great, uh, oh. great day for him to choose to commit. We'll see if it's a, a sign. if it's a birthday present for the USC fans as well. Shotgun, just looking at the photo, not including Connerly, how many people are in that photo, including the baby? <laughs> I, <laughs> it's like your jelly bean guess. Take the guess. How many jelly beans? I don't have the photo up right now uh, on my screen, but I think it's it's probably something like 28, 34, somewhere in there. Oh, my gosh. That would be my guess. It's 28 with Connerly and the baby. Nice. Pretty good. So maybe 27 and a half if we're taking Connerly. I, like, yeah. I think he counts for one and a half. Okay. He, he's a big, he, he's, he's a big at least – He's at least one and a half important for USC. I was you know, also obviously, counting the, the baby as a half, but yeah. I got. I know, him. but Connerly is one and a half, so he makes up for that half. Yeah, I got to see him up in, in Hawaii. Uh, he showed up there a little later. Uh, we got to see him just for one practice, but, um, you know, good-looking prospect for sure. Uh, this is – recruiting can be a lot about momentum. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and it's, it's sort of like you're working hard now for – you know, it's like – farming basically like you're planning now but you're not going to eat you know those green beans tomorrow it's going to be you know next season or whatever and the fact that lincoln riley was able to come in and turn things around as quickly as he could it was sort of like that that homer simpson episode where he gets a farm and he puts like radioactive stuff out there and makes the tobaccos like they're addictive tomatoes that have the tobacco in them too but they were growing really fast because he like added this like radioactive material 
that's sort of like you've added this radioactive material to recruiting class. And Lincoln Riley comes in uh, to get, uh, you know, a couple of five stars in the 2022 class and then potentially adding a Connerly makes the 2022 class like way better than what we ever thought it, w- it could have been. It was down in the hundreds at one point, and now it'll be at a top 10 class if you add Connerly. Uh, but also what that does for the 2023 class, which is already off to a stellar start with three five stars uh, committed. You add this other five star. I mean, running backs want to come play more court. I mean, everybody who doesn't want to have your you know, franchise left tackle there uh, for the next few years. So, this is something I think if USC can land Connerly, obviously huge for this year, but just for the future too. They're already built a lot of recruiting momentum, and this would go. This would you know take it to the next level. So just a quick, like, numbers thing. If Connerly commits to USC, Lincoln, that he would have been, he will have been uh, Riley's six five star commitment since he came on. That's like, also factoring in Caleb Williams as a five star transfer prospect. So that's. Uh, Malachi uh, Nelson, Makai Lemon, Zachariah Branch, uh, Josh Connerly, if he commits, Caleb Williams, and then Damani Jackson, who I guess if you want to – wait, is that – yeah, that's six. Yeah. I did the math. Correct. He counted on his fingers, but he didn't use his thumb. He yeah, I, I went like this, and I was like, wait, did I lose my thumb? No, yes. It's six. Raylick Brown's not considered. Like, he's uh, He is a high four-star. Yeah, he uh, was like a five-star in one. Yeah, I don't yeah. think – I'm going to believe – I'm going off like consensus five-star – Makai might not be a consensus five star, but we'll, we'll, we'll say six. Yeah. So six in what? A hundred days. S- yeah, hundred days, which is just <laughs> insane. Yeah, that was like over you, the last six years. There've probably been that many. Um, so re- it, recruiting momentum's huge. Yeah, Ryan. Just like you point out, the the momentum this would give them towards the twenty twenty three class because this is the time of year when you start seeing more and more of the upcoming class start to commit as well. You're seeing a lot of top fives, a lot of top tens, guys narrowing down their choices. And as they go to the summer, if they can take some official visits, you know some of those decisions get made. So that would give USC more momentum going forward if Josh Carley were to commit. But USC pulling out all the stops, not only all the people that were there and all the things they did, but did you notice? That they decided to put out a uh, you know an offensive lineman themed video about how the offensive lineman uh, history at USC interestingly timed on Friday when when Josh Carley would be coming in that dropped as well I thought that was interesting you know all the attention to details and this is what is going to make this staff really really good and can recruit at a really high level and that that six uh, five stars that you talked about there Chris is the attention to detail. We've heard it from a lot of recruits that have visited for the junior days. We've heard it from guys, local guys having seen what the previous staff did and what, what's going on now. Just the more people that are around, the more people to guide you to different directions, just those small things like that. The attention to detail is what really matters. It's what really catches people's eye. And I think it's interesting, USC pulling out all the stops for Josh Connerly. I think they're in a great spot after this uh, visit. Got to do a little bit more digging, and we'll see in the next week or so if we can get some more information on where that one stands for you guys. Uh, I know, Shotgun, you were at Under Armour event um, this weekend also. Uh, we're already like 10 minutes away from the top of the hour, but any any kind of thoughts are there? You were in Maryland. I know it was Great cold. Great state of Maryland. <laughs> Usually not a lot of recruits there. Not a lot, like, not a lot of athletes come out of that wait, area. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just kidding. Uh, I- <laughs> yeah, so I went out to the event today, uh, the Under Armour. We always go to the L.A. one. Uh, we went to that one earlier this year. Uh, so being out here on the East Coast now, trying to make it a uh, coast-to-coast show here. But I went out to the, the Maryland one to check out. And there are some prospects that have USC offers and some guys that USC will be on 
There was an eighth grader out there, defensive lineman, that looked great. I'm sure USC will be offering him before too long. Um, but, you know, one of the guys that stood out was Aaron Childs, who's a 2024 linebacker who is plans to visit USC this summer, is a guy that really likes USC. They're in the top schools right now. He won linebacker MVP, I believe it was today as well. But he is a guy that I thought was really interesting. And, you know, I only talked to a couple of recruits uh, that had USC that had USC offers and whatnot. But he brought up Caleb Williams being from the DMV. You know, that is going to, again, I talked about how he's a guy that everyone, you know, kind of wants to be around. He talked about seeing Caleb Williams come across the country and seeing the NIL deals that Caleb Williams has already, you know, has already popped for him. You know, that tells him what is possible for him if he does decide to leave the home area and go across the country. So I thought that was really interesting. There are a couple other, the, the defensive line class was really good out there. I thought it was better than the LA class. It was the, the best position group there. There was some offense alignment as well. Um, and we'll have some write-ups on it. Brian Doan, I was there chatting with him about some of the, the players as well. So he'll have some stuff on it if you guys want to check it out. Sadir Mitchell is a big-body guy, 343.50, true trench tank. Uh, but I talked to him. doesn't sound like USC's in the mix right now, even though he did have a USC offer from the previous staff and had been talking to the the more uh, the current staff. But we'll see if, if some of the – the uh, attention from USC staff picks up after they see the video uh, from this event because they will be able to check that out uh, through the the um, I think it was the UCE report uh, that that they do there. So all the coaches will be able to check out the the video, and I'm sure there'll be some offers that come out in a couple of days from this event. I'm sorry, Shotgun, you broke up. Caleb Williams out of the where? <laughs> um, I believe he went to uh, he was in Washington D.C. is where his high school was located. Oh. That's good. Yeah, I thought there was some sort of, you know, <laughs> regional nickname that, you know, sort of strikes fear in the heart of everyone. Uh, yeah, it was called Freezing Cold. It was snow flurries there today. And I blame you, Chris. This all comes back to blaming you. Shotgun can um, take a little blizzard. Oh. <laughs> to cover recruiting event. I've it's supposed to be shotgun. spring. It's supposed to be. It's a couple days from April, and it was there was snow flurries out there today. The wind was whipping at at least twenty five miles an hour. There were there was a gale gale winds warning going into the day, and it was uh, I think the temperature when I arrived was forty one degrees, and I believe it went down from there. So yeah. East Coast temperatures and weather is not for me. I'm not appreciating it. That's why you see I have multiple layers on right now because. Yeah, I'm still trying to get warm from today. It took me at least 45 minutes in my car with the heat blasting full blast before my fingers stopped tingling. Right. So I don't appreciate it's, it, Chris. Come back for his birthday. He's like, I can't. Yeah. I can't be cold for my birthday. <laughs> well, we got one more topic before we jump into questions. We'll probably have to rapid fire because we're already getting to the top of the hour. But thanks to everyone that's been sending in the questions. We'll try to get to as many as we can. But shotgun, there's uh, USC obviously bowed out in the first round of the NCAA tournament. March Madness, uh, you know, we were out there for the Pac-12 tournament. You know, it looked okay. We'll see. Um, you know, they had lost, what, three of their last four, uh, get beat by Miami. And it looks like if they got through Miami, they would have made a run. But there's been some adjustments to the roster uh, since that game, if you want to give everyone like kind of update on what's going on with that. Yeah, Miami, you saw them make it all the way to the lead eight. And unfortunately, they, uh, you know, lost to, today to uh, Kansas in a game that wasn't very close after the first half. Kansas just obliterated them. But you saw there was a potential for USC to go on another run and be in the elite eight again, uh, similar to last year when they played uh, Gonzaga in the elite eight. That, they had the potential to be there, but they did not play their best basketball down the stretch. 
And you looked at the roster and you go, okay, what's it going to look like next year? And we've already seen some of the key dominoes uh, take place uh, here. And that's two of the older guards in Max Agbonpolo and Ethan Anderson, both enter the transfer portal, as well as Bubakar Koulibaly, who is a very talented but very raw big. And he just wasn't going to get the opportunity next year with the two bigs that they have coming in, two five-star bigs that they have coming in, as well as Josh Morgan being back. So he decides to enter the transfer portal. So that opens up a little bit of space. So USC may go out and try to at- uh, attack and get a point guard. There was some rumors about Boogie Ellis being going to enter the transfer portal, but I, I mentioned this in a thread on the board that I had ho- heard he was going to be coming back. Uh, that's been confirmed since then. Boogie Ellis will be returning. Drew Peterson will likely be returning, though keep an eye. He may try to go through the NBA draft process and get some feedback. So if you see him enter the draft, don't fret and freak out for USC basketball fans. There's a good chance that he would return to USC still after that. The big question remaining with the roster is just wh- what does Isaiah Mobley do? Uh, he could come back, and in the the era of NIL, he's a guy that already had a couple of NIL deals this past year. Maybe it makes more sense for him to come back financially this year, maybe try to improve on a couple more things in his game because he just didn't finish the season really strong. I think he wore down a little bit at the end of the season. Next year with the two five-star bigs coming in, maybe that takes a little bit of the pressure off of him. He's, you know, play a couple less minutes. Uh, you know, maybe he has a better year next season and improves his draft stock, or maybe he decides it's time for him to go ahead and start his professional career. We'll see what he decides to do, but that's the, the one big piece still remaining. But now USC enters the transport portal. Uh, portion of the schedule and that includes a couple of recent decommitments uh, julian phillips five-star wing that usc was in the mix for was in the final schools he picked lsu obviously lsu fired their head coach because of recruiting violations so there's been a couple of guys at lsu missouri a couple of other places that have opened up their, their their recruitments and julian phillips is one usc's definitely in on but also usc will be looking for an older point guard potentially to come in we'll see what happens over the next you know month or so as far as recruiting uh the transfer portal for usc basketball but you know, USC, some of the dominoes have already started to fall. And, you know, some people kind of, what's going on here? Two of these older guards. But it looked like, you know, the the conversations, they had all their one-on-one meetings with players this week. And the, the conversation was, this is the amount of playing time we think you're going to be able to get next year. If you think you want more playing time, maybe it's best you go look somewhere else. And I think that's what kind of happened with those two older guards is, you know, they couldn't guarantee them to be starters next year. that They're going to play a certain amount of minutes. So I think Ethan Anderson and Max Agamopolo are going to look for, for opportunities where they will be, you know, more than likely be definite starters and, and get, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's greatest USC basketball beat writer. Yes, Bradley. 100%. Uh, okay, let's get to some questions. Um, I'll try to run through these. We'll try to go quickly. Andrew Hogue had a couple questions. What's the biggest wow moment of spring so far, and which players really stood out? Well, we don't get to watch, so it's really I think it's hard to answer either I don't really one of those. See wow, so I'll say Caleb Williams missing the entrance on the first that was day a wow one. That, that's sort of a a wow moment in itself. So, Chris, to to be able to. To, uh, to be able to locate that one, get that video up, and it, it became a little viral moment there. Uh, I think Romello Heights, seeing him, seeing the pictures of you guys seeing him up close in person, I think that's a little bit of a wow moment. He's yeah. what? He's big. He's yoked. Yes, yoked. <laughs> yoked. I know. He's big. I know. Big. I was just like, I was doing that. Uh, try not to satisfy him on this one. Uh, Curtis. Uh, does Maximus Gibbs, in all caps, because he's a big man. Big he's, man needs all caps. So. Uh, 
have a chance to play. I hope so. He did move back to the offensive line. He to me, he looks he's listed at 390. He looks slimmer than that. He just looks slimmer to me. Uh, you know, a year playing on the defensive line, you'll probably drop some weight. Yeah. Um, you know, he's back with us. Uh, obviously, he got a whole winter workouts. He looks slimmer to me. He does not look 390 to me. Um, that being said, you know, there is a little bit of a depth issue right now, offensive line. So I think he's going to get some opportunity this spring. Uh, but in terms of long term for this season, uh, I think he might be a year away. Yeah. Um, but I would not be surprised if he kind of stole some, some, some like blowout reps, stuff sure. like that. But I think from like being impactful on the two deep, I think he's just like almost there, about a year away. But I think he's lost some weight, and I think that's obviously a great sign for his development. A guy with sky high potential. Yeah. If they have some kind of like jumbo package, like when Stanford would bring in the extra offensive lineman, maybe something like that. But I think it's tough when you move. Now he moved positions again. Um, so that might be difficult. Uh, Manford, on Saturday's Zoom call with Lincoln Riley, he talks about identifying leaders on the team. But even within that group, that a smaller group has, em has emerged as alphas. Any idea who specifically he was talking about? I mean, a guy we've already referred to as an alpha is, you know, Caleb Williams. I'm sure he's part of that group. Uh, Shane Lee, you know, Riley has just, uh, and Brian Odom have, you know, raved about his leadership and what he's done for this team and this defense, uh, you know, off the field as a leader. Um, I've heard Max Williams, they, they, they value him as a leader too. So I think maybe he's potentially in that group. Um, but those are just three names off the, off the top. I'm sure someone maybe on the offensive line has also kind of stepped up too. Yeah. Earlier uh, in the spring as a guy that had really taken a step forward as being a leader in that group. And, and as a younger guy, even though you got Voorhees and Elon, just a guy that really stepped forward and, you know, matured as a player, maybe not necessarily as a leader for the, the team overall, but just, you know, making his mark with that offensive line. Yeah. AJ Johnson said, are there any notable differences in how practice was organized during the part you get to see? And was Keely allowed to stay and watch the whole thing? Yes, she is the enemy. That's Keely. Remember she invited you on a podcast and then left? Do you remember wow, that? Like, do you wow, remember that? Like wow. just, just trying to, you know, make sure you're fired up for this one. No, we, we, we love Keely. You gotta but. get me angry, like in dodgeball. You gotta get mean. <laughs> is that what you're like, <laughs> <red> <laughs> <at> me? <laughs> yeah. What are, what are you doing here? Uh it I mean we the stretching stuff looks pretty similar. The team warm-ups are different. I've noticed they've broken them down with like on one side it's all offensive players. You have the quarterbacks in the middle and then kind of the white jersey defensive players on one side. Seems a little more quicker, uh, the, the warm-ups, uh, a little more maybe efficient is the word, but lots of energy. Um, you know, they just break in individual drills, so it's kind of like the same team warm-up, yeah. individual drills. Like quarterbacks throwing the receivers on air. Yeah. I mean, the coaches kind of get in the way sometimes, and they'll play around a little bit. But from what we get to see, it's pretty similar. I mean, it's... But again, we only see the beginning, so I don't really know yeah. how the rest of it looks. So, But I talked to, you know, people that have watched and... I didn't get like there was like oh my god they're now they're you know everyone's wearing like it's not like you know it's still football it's still football practice but I think you know some yep. of the organization stuff is going to be different but a lot of the stuff we get to see is pretty similar. The part of practice the media is allowed to see is ninety eight percent exactly the same at every school in the in the nation. <laughs> Your stretches might be a little tiny bit different. You know where you go from there might be a little tiny bit different, but it's all basically the same until you actually get into the competition periods and the team periods. Gerald and Jamie both want to know about Solomon Tuliaupupu. Uh, Jamie said uh, he's been in SC for what seems like five years, but has yet to play. Can you get an update on on Tuliaupupu? 
Yeah, I mean, Solo is playing that rush edge position. I have watched kind of the rush edges practice a little bit over there with Roy Manning. Um, Corey Foreman is uh, injured at, at this point. We don't know exactly what that injury is, but he doesn't seem to be doing sort of the group rehab. But he is out, so that has sort of opened the door for Solo to get a lot more reps. Uh, I'm a big drill hierarchy guy. Um uh, Shotgun's giggling over there because I've talked about this theory. And if you don't know what this theory is, it's like, look at who's, look at who goes first in a position drill. Yes. That that tells me a lot of what I need to know. It doesn't always work out, but if you kind of play it smart and kind of look. And Solo right now is behind Romello Height. So, and I've seen it a little bit in the pursuit uh, drill that he do at the beginning of practice with the defense. And it seems like Solo has kind of locked on to that kind of backup edge rusher. Uh, position at the moment obviously Corey is out so that probably bumps him down a little bit when he's back but you know he seems to be full go seems to be full health you know he's started both practices come out in cleats in both practices did the warm-ups like normal and did individual team drills you know there's sometimes last year we would just watch um, those individual drills and not really participate but it seems like you know he's getting the opportunity to compete this spring Um, so that's a good sign yeah uh, we had to get to Megan's question. Uh, question from Down Under. Oh. She says, hoping to get a tro- get to a Trojans football game when I'm in, L- in L.A. in September, October. Who should I be keeping an eye out for and why? Uh, I don't know if it's, a, I guess, a player. But, Megan, hopefully you have a great trip out here. Uh, I love my uh, – spent a week or so in Australia. It was a great time down there. You didn't there. even try to pronounce that last name. No, I'm not. I'm, I try not to say the last names because, uh, you know, I'm just we're first name people. But I guess they're putting it up on a public thing. But uh, <laughs> but I was not going to say that one. Uh, if you're talking about which game to go to, uh, USC has home games against Rice, uh, Fresno State. That should be interesting. Uh, Arizona State and Washington State. Uh, and then some more in October. Let's see. There's um, no, I think that's it for. Yeah. So those are the only ones in September, October. So that ASU game, I mean, who knows what's going to be going on there. And uh, you know, Washington State coming to town. Um, you know, it's not a great home slate, but you got some options there. But do you think she means an individual player to watch out for? Or? If I had to guess player, you know, let's throw a running back out there. Let's go Travis Dye, just a, a dynamic guy with the ball Ooh. in his hand. You know, everyone's going to say Caleb Williams, but, you know, I got Travis Dye as my potential starter for this year. You know, coming off a season where he led the Pac-12 in all-purpose yards in this offense. Offense, he says, is the best offense he's ever been a part of. I think that's a got to watch out for. So. Yeah, I like that. Um, Jasper Smith had a question. If you could pick one 2023 running back to commit, which one would it be? Oh, I mean, Cedric Baxter's a nice little guest. That's a national guy. You're going to have to work a little bit harder for him. Um, I would say Roderick Robinson. You know, if I think if they give him the green light, that's a big local guy. A big back. A big back that they need in that running back room. You know, he was just he just visited this past weekend, so you know, stacking up visits with USC. So I think that's uh that's a that's an easy one if you're USC and you you know, you give him the green light. It's like, come on, you're local, let's go, let's get in here, start this running back class. Yeah. Yeah, Robinson's the name that stands out there. I mean, just seeing him from last year at the Under Armour event in LA to this year, the growth, you know, the the weight that he's put on, the good weight, and still moving really well. Uh, you know, made some linebackers look really silly in the in the receiver, the running back versus linebacker receiver drills and stuff. So uh, I think that he really stood out there. Now I haven't seen him actually play in pads 
and to be able to tell, you know, watch the tape and stuff. But he's a guy that stands out to me, especially because there just hasn't been a lot of local running backs that have really, you know, popped re- in the recent classes. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he comes into USC and, you know, can continue the tradition of some of the great uh, local running backs that USC's had. He's big, so we would call him. Yoked. He's learning. Uh, <laughs> Mark says, why are defensive linemen all wearing knee braces at practice now? Will they be wearing them during games too? And wouldn't, won't that reduce their mobility in a system that values mobility so highly? Yeah, I picked up on that. I've, I've forgotten to note it a couple times in my ghost notes because it's because a lot going on. But I have noticed that it seems like a lot more braces are out there. Um, I don't have a good answer for you. This is something I will surely ask a defensive player when I when I do get to talk to him this week. So it's definitely one of those like little questions like, Hey, what's a little brace? Yeah. We also like got a question about the padded helmets. Like there's some of those. And uh, we had a like source kind of talking about that a little bit. They were going to find out some more. It, he had originally thought it was something with injuries, but it was kind of like position groups and stuff were wearing them. So Shackle will um, probably like this. It also helps protect the QB if they accidentally come down on the helmet. I like that. That's yeah. Cool. The, Instead of like the, breaking your hand. The padded helmets and also the knee braces are probably just – you don't want guys injured in practice. If you lose a little bit of mobility in practice and, hey, if you can make plays with a little bit less mobility in practice, then if in the game you decide to take those uh, those knee braces off, you're going to feel more fluid. You're going to be able to go. But if you're saving your guys in practice so that they're healthy in the games, that's the important part. And we've seen – how many numbers were how, how many were how high did the numbers get up to last year? Just guys on you know the rehab island or not dressed out for games. It got up to scholarship guys up around thirty last year at one point. So you know you want to be you got to have you know if you're playing with fifty five guys versus another team's eighty or seventy five or whatever you know minus their injured guys you know they tell it's a, a big difference. So you know having. 85 healthy guys is, is a huge advantage for any college football team. The best ability is availability. Is that what they say? Something like that? Uh, that's um, correct. Can't make the club in the tub. No. Also uh, correct. Jasper, one of our good friends on the show, says, considering Justin Dietrich can pull an 18-wheeler, how many pancake blocks should we expect uh, of him this season? I don't Hello. know what a good like standard pancake block number for a season is. It's not like picking sacks like... 13 sacks is like a really good season. I don't know what pank is it like 50? (laughs) I don't think no, that would be a ton. Like, do you even get one over? Over in in college, you're not getting it that many. Yeah, we're not seeing that many. Like, in high high school, elite offensive linemen can rack up 10 in a game, but you're not really seeing that at the college level. So, if you get a couple of games, that's, that's still pretty impressive. Uh, we had some Grinch questions. Alex Grinch, defensive coordinator, DeRumble. Well, a- real, real quick, Ryan, oh, sure. uh, on Justin Dietrich, the first thing he's got to do is make the starting lineup, and that's yeah. not guaranteed. So the, the offensive line, there's still some question marks there of who the, the starting five will be and what will be their best five and you know where Andrew Voorhees lines up could affect that and where jo- Jonah Monheim as well lines up could affect that. So Justin Dietrich's got to earn that starting spot first, though. So. Yeah. DeRumble said, and we've got a lot of like kind of Grinch comments and questions, Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator. Is this a, quote, prove-it year for Grinch? Uh, uh, Oklahoma didn't stop many offenses um, last year. And, I get, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm higher on Alex Grinch, I think, than maybe most people. But just see what he did at Washington State. Uh, they did a good job at Ohio State. Um, you know, it's tough when your offense is scoring 
50 points a game for the defenses to do well. But uh, I, I think USC's got a lot of holes to fill on the defensive side of the ball. If the But, you know, if you're talking about USC's defense last year, there was some talent there for sure. And they were, what, last in the Pac-12 in points allowed. I mean, that's that's pretty terrible. So I think it's definitely going to be an improvement. But it might take a year or two for him to get the roster like where they want it. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I do not think it's a prove it year because he is taking over a defense that has a worse roster than what Todd Orlando took over two years ago. Remember when Todd Orlando took over and granted USC's 2020 defense was pretty good. They had five stars at every level. You know, you had uh, defensive line linebackers and, you know, in the secondary, whereas this, the roster he took over now it's been overhauled already and will continue to be overhauled. And the expectations may change by the time we get to the first game and that first kickoff. But right now, I think it's still not necessarily prove it because, like Ryan said, there are definitely some holes. And I, when Ryan said that he's higher on Grinch than anybody, I was like, Ryan, you're going back to his Washington State days, aren't you? Ryan yeah. is still holding on to those as the as the podcast of champions host. Um, but that was that was a little while ago. So he does he does definitely need to prove himself. His Oklahoma defense were okay at times. But for him to be considered an elite uh, defensive coordinator, there's going to be a prove-it point, but I don't think it's this year. Yeah. Hercules Mata'afa. Remember that? He drove USC crazy. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Destroyed USC. But also USC lost three offensive linemen in that game. Yeah. And then uh, lost and Liam Jimmons took out someone. Yeah, that was what happened. The Rumble also want to know, does Thule and Corey play the same spot? I mean, I feel like there are a lot of interchangeable positions there, but I would say... Corey is playing kind of a rush end position, which is sort of similar to that B-backer position, I believe, um, to last year's uh, defense. Um, he's traditionally a defensive end, which is sort of the Nick Figueroa spot. Thule kind of plays that defensive tackle, that other outside yeah. guy. He's like a three technique. Yeah, with, dude, with the nose like. guard in the middle. Yeah, so a little different spots. Uh, check the contract now. On the subject of Sam Baker, and this is a – so Chris can talk about this, his story – and others behind the NIL initiative for Trojan linemen, how much of an impact will this have on recruiting in the trenches? And DeRumble also want to know about Connerly. Is he waiting on uh, NIL deals? But, yeah, Chris, maybe you want to talk about your story real quick because that, uh, that was a really interesting one. Yeah, if you didn't read it, you know, Sam Baker, former uh, USC offensive lineman, All-American offensive lineman, and a group of other players are sort of starting this initiative for specifically for Trojan offensive or defensive and offensive linemen, um, sort of a luncheon where, you know, they will have USC linemen come and they can interact with fans, you know, autographs, pictures, that kind of deal. Um, you know, Baker said, you know, this wasn't the intention of being like sort of a de facto recruiting tool. You know, it's not like, oh, we're going to get him this way or whatever. It's more like he wanted to do this and the other guys wanted to do this to help the players there now they want to you know get them in on this uh, nil stuff and you know help uh quote you know he said enrich their experience in college um but obviously this is nil it's sort of a wild wild west out here uh, with the recruiting so absolutely it can be used as a recruiting tool you know uh you know you know we have this thing you know if you're a top offensive lineman defensive lineman it's like hey we have a, something in place where you can you know, get in on the NIL stuff. So that's just another like recruiting weapon or recruiting tool for Lincoln Riley and these guys when they're recruiting those big guys in the trenches to have something annual and consistent like that year in year in and year out. So absolutely, it's it you know that should be a a, a big focal point 
uh, moving forward for for top guys. Cool. It, it didn't. It didn't seem like it was going to be necessarily the Texas. Hey, every offensive lineman gets fifty thousand dollars type of NIL deal, but something that one will actually, you know, that I, I thought was interesting. That Sam Baker said in that story, Chris, good job on the scoop there, uh, breaking the news uh, of this NIL deal, but that the. The former players will get to meet and interact with some of the current players a little bit more. So I think anytime you can bring your alumni players in, involved, be more involved, I think that's only a positive for the program going forward. And real quick on Connolly, is he waiting on the NIL? No, that's not why he has waited this long to make his decision. He did not get a chance to go on official visits. He plays basketball as well. So he wanted to wait until he got an opportunity. So he didn't sign in the February period, waited till the, there was an open period, a recruiting period once again, and opened back up in March. And that's why he's taking some of these official visits. USC being the last one. Now it'll take a little bit of time. The family will figure out what's the best destination for him and then make that decision on April 8th. All right. Let's, we'll try to fly through these last few and uh, get out of here. Uh, Ganja Gorilla, is this Kyle Ford's breakout year? Yes. What do you think? Ganja Gorilla, what a name. That's a great name. By the way, Kyle Ford also yoked. Right, there we go. Shotty, is he going to break out? I, I don't think so. I think the the wide receiver group that's coming in, he's got a lot to prove. Um, now, you guys have seen him move around a little bit more than I have, uh, but I'm I'm still hesitant to say that. He's my dude. Uh, we'll see. Okay, Jarrett, uh, who looked physically different from the last time you saw them? Is that our intern? <laughs> that is. <laughs> that's too, I didn't even realize the. Uh, it's sure. just an uh, plant right now. Just yeah, yeah. we didn't ask him to like send in questions. Like we got plenty of questions, but thanks, Jared, for the. Uh, uh, we talked about Miller Moss. You know, Miller Moss a little bigger up top. I talked about Max Gibbs. Looks like he slimmed down a little bit. Truly looks the same. Truly looks like a beast since he's been there. Yeah, from the uh, photo shock on anyone you saw, you're like, oh, he looks different. Uh, not off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, I'm still stuck on just seeing Romello height uh, in, in my eyes. So. He's, 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 he stands out much more, but not of the returning players. I didn't notice a huge difference in anyone. Jasper, where Rajon Davis finally gets some playing time at linebacker. Drill hierarchy right now kind of remains to be seen. Looks like he's sort of on that third unit for, you know, drills with the linebackers when I watch. So it seems like he's got some work to do. Brian Odom said he has some maturing to do, you know, to, to, to learn how to be a high-level Division One athlete. And he said, you know, that's my job to get him there. So it seems like, you know, Still got some work to do to kind of move up that depth chart. Yeah. Um, Super OC Holmes, when will we see the next wave of portal activity? And Gary Lewis also, could USC add new in, uh, inbound transfer players as early as May? Yeah, I think after this semester is when you're going to start seeing a lot more of this. After spring football, we should see a lot of activity. Ganja Gorilla is back with... Uh, well, real quick, Ryan, uh, with the you're already seeing guys entering the portal right now, so you could see USC pick up some guys in commitment, but they won't necessarily come into the program until you know the, the semester ends and it's the summer semester start. Yeah, like I think Jaden Daniels was like the latest one that I saw that was like a big name player that w actually got into the spring, and I think LSU is on like quarters, so it helped that yeah. a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, I mean that's all been done. I mean Caleb Williams waited until the last minute and then like a little bit passed, and then he. But, but you'll you'll see more guys entering the transfer portal because some some schools are finishing up their spring camp. Some schools like USC are just starting. So as those spring camps end, you see more and more guys saying, "Okay, this new coaching staff, this new co position coach, or hey, the depth chart is just not in my favor. I'm going to look elsewhere." Yeah, but once the semester's over, like in May, I think you're going to start seeing a lot. So, uh, Ganja Gorilla again. Uh, 2023 is shaping up to have number one. Is USC shaping up to have the number one recruiting class in the nation? 
Sure. Like I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I think that's a that's a potential that's a possibility for sure. Uh, Trey Cranger, how many years has it been since we've had an actual spring game? That's for you. Um, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a while, and we'll see what this one is. Like they call it the spring showcase because they know it wasn't really a game. They used to do the Trojan Huddle, which was great. They had like in and out trucks out there. You go check it out. Um, but we'll see if this is going to be like an actual kind of game game. D E G G. Why is USA recruiting so many receivers? Could this be a bad thing? Maybe they'll end up transferring, or are they being recruited as athletes? I mean, USC needs receivers. They need a lot of bodies on offense. And so. he said, Lincoln Riley said, they plan on playing eight to nine. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've heard that before, but this is Lincoln Riley. This is his offense. So you're going to have to trust that that's the case. They're going to use eight to nine receivers uh, a game. So you need those weapons. And yeah, USC has not recruited re- receiver that well over the last couple cycles. So they need to replenish that uh, that skill position. Yeah, and it, and if you have eight or nine that you're playing per game, you got another three or four that are probably injured as well uh, at some point. So you know you got twelve. You need twelve to fifteen guys probably to to feel like you're comfortable there at a position where you could have four guys on the field at a time. We had a uh, Marco question. Also speaking of Keely Ryan, were you offended at all that she picked Antonio Morales over you to be the guest reporter on her first Trojans Live? Uh, I've been on Trojans Live before. Uh, no, and Keely was a. From what I was told, Keeley was a replacement because there was some kind of conflict. And then sort of Antonio sort of took what Keeley's role was. Uh, but no, I'm not offended. I, you know, that'd be a weird one for her to interview me the first time. Like, that's probably not going to be. Uh, Antonio was on a Trojan slide? He came on. Yeah, they had him on a oh. uh, phone call thing uh, later on. So, uh, yeah, I talked to Antonio. We, we might try to get we might try to get some guest reporters on here too. get some of the other people on the beat to come I in. I threw it out them. there. Yeah. And I think it'd be fun to get some of those guys on there. And we'll get Keeley back on for sure. Um, you know, it'll be weird to have her on as guest, but it'll be fun. You know, get, get she's she, she's too she's too high high up now. She's not coming down to, to lowly uscfootball.com for oh, any. She's she's gonna come down. Uh, <laughs> Blaze, does the team still do Oklahoma drills? No, the NCA outlawed them. Yeah, I do I don't believe think you're allowed to do that anymore. So that's uh, about five years ago, maybe now. Yeah, the uh, true Oklahoma drills. Uh, oh, so Jamie said, you didn't really answer my question. What's his clock look like? He's talking about Sol- Solomon Tuliala-Pupu here. Um, and biological he, clock? Like, I was like, well, I'm not sure what, yeah, Jamie, like, I don't know. His, what his NCA eligibility clock, once oh. you start, pre-COVID, once you start as a, a student athlete, you have five years to complete four years of playing time. So that's why you can have a redshirt senior. You can play. You can be at a school for five years. Now you have six years with the extra COVID year that everyone has. So he is on. He is a fifth year player this year. This is his fifth year at USC. So it, it would be great to see him as a fifth year guy finally get on the field and be able to contribute. So we're, we're hoping for that for him with knowing all the hard work that he's put in. Um, but he still would have another year of eligibility, and then then you would get into the gray area of could he petition for an NCA medical uh, extra year. So that, that could be a potential where he gets a seventh year. There are a couple players that have been seventh year players um, this season. And then last one, Tyrese, uh, how do our chances look, currently look at landing Mateo? Ungale. Pretty good. I mean, I would say, USC has moved up significantly for Mateo. You know, if you were, they were recruiting him, you know, under Helton, and that never really seemed like it was going to be, you know, really in it for them just because, you know, you know, looking at Clemson or USC, what have you, could not recruit local big time guys like that. 
consistently. So never felt like you know they were really a serious option. But now under Lincoln Riley, it really feels like Mateo is really looking hard at them. I feel like he's been on campus like nine million times since Lincoln's come on. So he's on he's been on campus a lot. I'm sure he'll be on campus a couple more times uh, throughout this spring and summer. So I would say they look pretty good, you know, just given his music uh, passions and, you know, what USC can offer there. You know, I, I think they're in a good spot right now. Yeah, under the radar aspect is that he is a music producer and it, he takes it as a, you know, this is a legit um, avenue for him after football ends or even during his football career. Um, so with what USC can provide with the uh, Jimmy Iovine and, and Dr. Dre school, uh, I think that that gives USC a, a leg up, local school. His dad obviously would love for him to go there, Big Dave, but it'll eventually come down to Mateo's decision, and you know we'll see where he ends up landing. But USC is definitely in the mix when, like like Chris said previously, the previous staff he was on, they were definitely on the outside looking in. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Ryan, one last oh, question sure. we got here at the end, and. We had earlier a little bit as well, but SC Neal wanted to know a question for Nicole: Who wins oh. more games next year, Georgia or USC? Put oh. her on the spot. Oh uh. wow, that's really putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, you know, USC fan and a Georgia fan, but I gotta go with my dogs on this one. That's where the loyalty lies. But I would love to see USC and Georgia face off in the college football playoffs. That'd be awesome. So, yeah, but I gotta good. go, dogs. Yeah, I mean. Home and home. Let's get a game between the hedges with USC. I don't know if it's ever even happened that USC has played at Georgia, but that would be awesome to see those two teams home and home series. That would be uh, yes. That would be great. Um, yeah, you got to go. I mean, they won the national championship. Like they got a lot of dudes. So yeah. It, like, while USC is trying to fill a lot of holes. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I think the safe bet is that Georgia is going to win more games. But you know, who knows? It's a, the Pac-12 is way easier than the SEC. So like you, you take one step back in the SEC and you could lose four or five games. But Let, let's I, not put that the SEC East is that great though. True. That's true. Um, okay. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up. Definitely want to. So just to let everyone know, this will probably be what our format is. Uh, we're going to get Nicole involved more, and we'll get uh, get a couple more cameras set up, and we'll get the live questions and things go on. We'll do the live calls again and all of that. So I think that'll be kind of a fun aspect to this. And it uh, seemed to work pretty smoothly with Shotgun remotely. I think the audio has been good. So uh, we'll build on this going forward, and we've got to get a new intro and all that too. So we'll do all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I do want to thank Shotgun for, for joining us remotely. Nicole for coming in. Great job running the board for the very first time. So she she controlled all the camera angles and everything. So nice job uh, with that. Chris, always scared to be here, but he here was he was good. So like give him heart palpitations just when I mentioned <laughs> that we're going to do a live show. I was coming in from Temecula. They were hoping I wasn't going to come back in time. But I I'm only here. here so I can plug my podcast, Composite Two Star Recruits. We're filming a new episode this week. Gerard will be on. We're going to talk about Josh Connerly. So listen. Be on the lookout. Wait, I'm only here to plug. Wait, Chris, are you filming it? No. You said you're filming it. So <laughs> now you get now you're on the spot. You gotta film, film me socking you if you ever <laughs> cut me off again like that. Uh, How about Mark, that? Mark Watkins said, uh, thanks for the awesome show, guys. Uh, we appreciate it, Mark. He also said, I know you probably hated every minute of it, but you did a good job, Chris. Yeah. Someone called me yes, uh, Charisma Trevino in the thing, and that's my new nickname. So everyone <laughs> Someone help. also didn't like your headband. Someone gonna, didn't like that. I don't care. I mean, that's like, yeah, I, I like the headband. You walk, you rocked it during instant analysis too, I think. Look, I'm here to work. I'm here to get sweaty, so I <laughs> He's need to prepared. Keep. But yeah, good job. Like, great job. Nicole, the guy running the board the first time. We got some insights Woo. from her. 
But Chris, man, super comfortable on camera. Like his podcast is better. You're making it worse. Just, just stop. Just so just it. raise it. So now the expectations have to be higher for Chris. So when look, he comes, he has to like. I just want to do the plug. Better. We're out. <laughs> Nicole, cut it. Just cut it right now. It's done. Pull Check out plug. all the podcasts too. Shotguns doing the hurt uh, on the sidelines. I'll have Harvey Hyde on this week. Chris Trevino and I will do a podcast this week. Podcast of Champions. They mentioned we'll do the Pac-12 one. So a lot of podcasts. We'll keep trying to do these tunnel visions as well. So. uh and yeah, and thanks for everyone joining in live. Hit the like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but for Shotgun, Nicole, Chris, I am Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tunnel Vision, and we will talk to you next time. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.